Let me read together from the scriptures, if you care to turn with me this morning to uh, 1 Samuel. First Samuel chapter 2. First Samuel chapter 2, we're going to read from verse 1. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Remember, these are words inspired by the Holy Spirit. Words that God has recorded for us in his book so we can learn and be edified. First Samuel chapter 2, verse 1. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. Mine horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee. Neither is there any rock like our God. Talk no more so exceeding proudly. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge. And by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty men are broken. And they that stumbled are girded with strength. They that were full have hired out themselves for bread. And they that were hungry cease. So that the barren hath borne seven, and she that hath many children is wax feeble. The Lord killeth and maketh alive, he bringeth down to the grave and bringeth up. The Lord maketh poor and maketh rich, he bringeth low and lifteth up. He raises up the poor out of the dust, and lifteth up the beggar from the dunhill, to set them among princes, and to make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's. And he hath set the world upon them. He will keep the feet of his saints. And the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength shall no man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Out of heaven shall he thunder upon them. The Lord shall judge the ends of the earth. And he shall give strength unto his king. And exalt the horn of his anointed. And Elkanah went to Ramah to his house. The child did minister unto the Lord before Eli the priest. Amen. We'll end the reading there at verse 11. And we pray the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now my text this morning is taken from 1 Samuel chapter 2 verses 1 and 2. It says, And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. Mine horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee, neither is there any rock like our God. Now for those who have been visiting with us today, we want to point out that this past few weeks we've been preaching on the theme, the holiness of God. We've already looked at the subject, the holiness of God is the characteristic or the chief characteristic of our sovereign God in heaven from Isaiah chapter 6 verses 1 to 3. Now last week I preached on the subject, God's holiness and the curse of sin from the book of Habakkuk chapter 1 verses 12 and 13. Now today I want to continue that series of messages 
And I want to set before you the theme that I've entitled, God's holiness and the comfort of his saints. And as I've said, my text is 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Now we've read it together. I want you to look at these words. Because it's important that you get the hold of the text. It's important that you ponder and think of it. It's important that you remember the theme, God's holiness and the comfort of saints. Because here's Hannah, and she's in prayer. Her prayer's been recorded for us by the Holy Spirit. And she is drawing comfort in that prayer from the holiness of God. So there's a connection between her saying, because I rejoice in thy salvation. And the moment she thinks about salvation, she's thinking about what God is like in his character. And she said, there's none holy as the Lord, for there's none beside thee. Neither is there any rock like unto our God. And as I thought of the theme, the holiness of God, and thought about God's holiness and the comfort of saints, my mind was brought to this text of Scripture. And let me share three things about Hannah's life to you in connection with the holiness of God this morning. God's holiness brought great comfort to Hannah. Now, I want you to think of Hannah this morning. She's a young wife. She's maybe 19 or 20, maybe 21. Um, she's married to a man called Elkanah. He has two wives, another wife called Paniah, to whom he's had children. He loves Hannah dearly, but we read that she has no children. It says in verse 2, if you look at it, of chapter 1, it says, but Hannah had no children. Why? Well, when we connect it up to verse 5, it says, but the Lord had shut up her womb. And of course, according to the social custom of the day, that was indeed a great stigma for a young wife. This young woman, Hannah, felt that deeply in her heart and mind. We discover when we look into the home that she had problems at home. She experienced bitter tears. There were things in her private life that left her far from a state of peace and happiness. And that was her condition for a long, long time. She had no comfort in her soul. And besides this, Hannah had a, a tormentor at home. Elkanah's other wife, Paniah, she became a, a tormentor to Hannah. She scorned and vexed and troubled Hannah. Look, look with me at the, the scripture which says there in verse 6, and her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. You see, this was a, a, a verbal assault. That This was a daily attack. And it grieved Hannah to the core. It, it broke her heart. It made life very difficult for her to cope with. Paniah was not a helpmate. Paniah was not a true friend. She was certainly not a, an advocate or a counselor. The Bible tells us there that she was her adversary. And her adversary also provoked her sore. So not only had the Lord shut up her womb, but also she had an adversary that provoked her sore. You can only imagine how Hannah felt. Extremely upset, tearful, maybe on a daily basis, full of bitterness, disappointment, felt dishonored. I, I'm unworthy. I, th th this is hard. 
set of circumstances for me. Life seems to be so cruel to me. Lord, this is hard to deal with. Not only have I got this, but I've got a tormentor making life more difficult for me. My life's like a little hell on the earth. Now, despite these hard circumstances, she turns to the Lord in prayer. And if you're facing a hard set of circumstances, that's what I want you to do. This was a wise and wonderful course of action. What did Hannah do? She prayed to the Lord. And this was a true prayer, a prayer from her heart. Now you think of Hannah praying to the Lord in the temple. Look with me at chapter 1, verse 10. It says, and she was in bitterness of soul, and she prayed unto the Lord, and she wept sore. Do do you get that? We we read in verse 13, it, it says, Now Hannah only spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Think of her sighing, groaning. Think of her moaning before the Lord, a heartfelt cry offered unto God. And the Lord wonderfully answered her prayer. She asked for a son and the Lord gave her a son and she called him Samuel. And of course, that's what Samuel means. Samuel means asked of God. And every time she looked at his little body as a baby, she looked at him as a boy growing up. She looked at him as a man. She remembered he has come and answered a prayer. Now, now following Samuel's birth, she, she returns to the temple to give thanks to the Lord. She wants to praise the Lord for his answer to prayer. She wants to praise him for his goodness and for his mercy to her. Now, folks, it's important to pray. It's good to ask the Lord for things. It's right and proper and wise that we offer our petitions, that we lay our wants and wishes at his feet. But it's equally important to praise him, equally important to return to God, to come before him and offer thanks for the very answers to prayer. I believe that prayer and praise go together. Do do you this morning pray to God for things, things in your life, things in your family? Are you fervent and faithful? I know you are. But remember, you must also return to praise him. You must say thank you to the Lord. You must offer thanks. You you must rejoice in him and his name for what he has done. And this, of course, is what Hannah is doing in chapter 2. Hannah has prayed for a son. It was a wholehearted prayer of faith. It was a prayer from the heart. And now she returns to offer prayer. Look with me at chapter 2, verse 1. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. Mine horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. There is none holy as the Lord. She doesn't rejoice in her circumstances. What does she say? My heart rejoices in the Lord. I rejoice in thy salvation. You see, you need to get your eyes this morning off your circumstances. And you need to get them unto the Lord. Maybe there's one here like Hannah. And you maybe have one or two tormentors. Someone on earth who's making your life very difficult for you at this time. Maybe you feel they're making my life like a a hell on earth. And you're daily facing torment. and, And you're heartbroken. And you're weeping. And life is hard and difficult. And I want to tell you. Of course, this is the way a world of ungodly sinners will treat you. This young woman, of course, was a true believer. She's a knowledge of the Lord. And what is she able to do? She's able to rejoice, not in her circumstances, 
but rejoice in God's salvation. And she's not living in cloud cuckoo land. She's not living in sunshine corner somewhere. She's a broken-hearted woman, full of bitterness and tears. And yet, by the power of prayer, she triumphs over the worst of circumstances and ends up praising the Lord. All because she had a testimony to the saving and keeping power of the Lord. Think of these words. I rejoice in thy salvation. Can you say that today? I rejoice in thy salvation. She didn't rejoice in her circumstances. She rejoiced in the Lord. You see, if you don't know him this morning, if you're not a true born-again Christian, if you're not genuinely saved, what we want you to do in the Lord's name is recognize your sinfulness, repent of that sin before the Lord, Receive Christ as Lord and Savior. Remember it says he came unto his own, his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them give he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. You see, the danger is this morning. The longer you live your life in the body, with all the bruising and breakages that comes in that body and life's journey, whether it's broken bones or bitterness of soul, the longer you live like that without the Lord, the danger is that you may die in that condition. And Jesus said, if you die in your sins, where I am, there you cannot be. And the danger is that you could be lost in this awful place that the Bible calls hell for all eternity. Hannah said, I rejoice in thy salvation. Can you say that this morning? Even if you have a tormentor, even if life's hard and difficult for you, bad things have happened that you can't understand or no control of, can you say that this morning? I rejoice in thy salvation. You see, Hannah not only knew the Lord, but she proved the Lord. She was living in a set of circumstances that was difficult and hard, tearful, brokenness of spirit, felt that she couldn't cope, felt that, 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 that life for her was, was so difficult. And yet what did she do in that circumstances? She prayed, she got an answer to, from God to her prayers, and then she offered praise. See, Hannah this morning saved. She's a young woman who has got a good testimony before the Lord. She said to Eli, who said, you're drunk. Because she didn't offer any words. She was just moaning and groaning in her heart. And she said in verse 16 in chapter 1, if you look at it, don't count me among the ungodly. What did she say there? Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Don't count me among the ungodly. I'm not a daughter of Belial as you judge me. I am not drunken as you judge me. I am broken hearted. I have a real complaint. And out of that complaint, I've cried unto the Lord. See, Hannah knew the difference. She knew that she wasn't in the company of the ungodly. She knows the Lord. She can say, I can rejoice in thy salvation. Now, I want to ask, is that true of you this morning? Notice what she says here, I rejoice in thy salvation. Her heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. And look what she says next. Look at the book now. There's a connection here. There is none holy as the Lord. For there's none beside thee, neither is there any rock like our God. The first thing she mentions as she ponders God's salvation, is God's holiness. 
There is none holy as the Lord. She doesn't mention the fact that he's merciful or that he's loving and kind and gracious and been good to her. She doesn't mention that he's all-powerful or, or that he's almighty. Her heart rejoices in the truth of God's holiness. Now, that's strange language. It's strong language. You see, the ungodly, the daughters and sons of Belial, the devil, they don't know the Lord. They have rejected him. They, they resist the truth about God being a holy God. They laugh and mock. They, they find no care in that. They, they find no comfort in that. Yet God is still eternally holy. He's essentially holy. He's entirely holy. And remember, he knows your sin. He hates your sin. He has taken steps to punish all sin. Sin has already been punished in Christ, but, but will be punished in every soul who dies in their sins for all eternity. Remember, the Bible says God is angry with the wicked every day. The Bible says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Yet the child of God, the one who's saved, who can rejoice in salvation, they can find great comfort in the truth of God's holiness. Have you this morning a sense of the fear of God, fear of offending him, fear of grieving him? Have you a reverential awe of God? Are you living in the, uh, uh, the, the fact uh, that, that your life is a life of loving submission to him? And you, you can rejoice in his salvation. And you know a little about God's holiness. You've already learned that God is holy. And that God knows and hates in. And his justice demands punishment for all sin. You know of course that Jesus Christ has satisfied all the demands of a holy God in his personal work. For he that is God had made him. That is Christ to be sin for us. And you know sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. As a Christian, you have peace with God. As a Christian, you have pardon from every sin. As a Christian, you can pray to God. You, you can even groan and cry without words. That, that's what Hannah did. As a Christian, you can praise God. We have plenty of evidence that Hannah was a saved woman. She had a good grasp of theology. She knows the Lord. And the amazing thing is this. She doesn't focus on what she she has done. Not, not as a wife, not as a mother. She doesn't even focus on her sad set of circumstances. She is full of who the Lord is and what the Lord has done. She, she mentions thy salvation, then she is full of who the Lord is, what the Lord is like, what, what the Lord has done. There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee, neither is there any rock like our God. See, Hannah remembers in deep trouble. Hannah, remember, has been provoked and scorned. There's been a dark period in her life. But the Lord hasn't forgot her. The Lord hasn't failed her. The, 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 the Lord hasn't forsaken her. Notice she mentions the rock here. Isn't a rock a dependable thing? Something that's trustworthy in a storm? She found refuge and safety and the support in one who was her rock. He, he cared for her. He consoled her. He carried her. He comforted her. Whenever she had no other comforter. And she traces it all back. This comfort. This care. This consolation. To the fact that she's in a relationship. With a holy God. A God who is so holy. And yet he is a fit object. For trust and dependence. When we think of God's love, God's mercy, 
God's grace, God's goodness, God's kindness. And we say there's none like him. Let's remember that's a holy love. Let's remember that's holy mercy, holy grace, holy goodness, holy kindness. God is the eternal other. He's holy in everything that he does. All that he thinks and all that he says. Every decision, all his works. God's holiness brought great comfort to Hannah. God's comfort also brought great counsel to Hannah. You see, the very character of God that Hannah became aware of brought counsel and instruction and teaching into her life. She not only knew the Lord in a personal way, but she knew the Lord in a very practical way. God is holy. And what does that mean for Hannah? What did it mean to us? Well, because God is holy, this is what he did for Hannah. He was ready to answer prayer. God answered Hannah's prayer. That's a fact. Hannah was childless. And what did she do? She asked for a child. And the Lord gave her a son. And the Holy Ghost has recorded the prayer. Chapter 1 and chapter 2. And and it's a prayer full of praise to God for his almighty answer. And Hannah drew strength and comfort from every answer to prayer. And she connected in her heart and mind the answer to the fact that God was holy. God's holiness is connected and linked to the answering of prayer. Quickly this morning, turn over there to Luke chapter 1. We'll just look at three references. Luke, sorry, Luke chapter 11. And it says in verse 13, these words will be familiar to some. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Do, Do you see the linkage there? Given the Holy Spirit to those that ask. You you can ask today to be infilled by the Holy Spirit. Whenever the Lord Jesus prayed in his high priestly prayer in John 17, we read something else in the verse 11. He says, And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee, Holy Father. So he's praying to his heavenly father, but he addresses him as holy father. And of course, there's one holy father in the world, and it's certainly not the Pope. Keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. Do you see the linkage there? He's addressing God as holy father, and he's asking for things in prayer, asking God to, to keep his people from all evil. And then turn over there to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter um, 6 and verse 10. Revelation 6 and 10. And we read there, and this is about those that have been martyred for the faith of the Lord Jesus. And they're praying to the Lord. And this is what they say. Revelation chapter 6 and verse 10. And they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord? Now notice this. Holy and true. Dost thou not judge and avenge our blood in them that dwell on the earth? You see, there's a reference here in each of these texts that I've brought to your attention to the holiness of God in connection to prayer. 
And we come to God on the basis, of course, of the blood sacrifice of Christ. But we approach that God remembering that our God is a holy God. And, of course, that has an effect then on our heart and mind. And yet, even though he's a holy God, we can still call in him. We can confide in him. We can approach him in simple faith. We can believe that he is and he's a warder of them that diligently seek him. We can come with expectation. Hannah, in her mind, is connecting her answer to prayer to the holiness of God. And that's seen in his readiness to answer prayer. It's also seen in his reviving of his people. You, you think of the subject of revival. And of course, revival is a subject that's connected to God's holiness. We read the psalmist prayed in Psalm 85 and verse 6, Wilt thou not revive us again that we thy people may rejoice in thee? And if you connect that verse over there to the book of Isaiah, look with me at Isaiah 57. And in the um, verse 14 and 15, it says, And shall say, Cast ye up, cast ye up, prepare the way, take up the stumbling block out of the way of my people. So, so there, there's repentance and removal of sin. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabits eternity, notice this, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place. With him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit. To revive the spirit of the humble. And to revive the heart of the contrite ones. God is able because he is holy. To revive the hearts of humble and broken ones. And those humble and broken ones discover where God is. He lives in the high and lofty place. That he inhabits eternity. Who God is. God is holy. And what the Lord does, he revives the spirit of those that are humble and those that are broken. His holiness motivates and moves him to work to restore the brokenhearted. Those that are truly humble and, and contrite before him. He comes to show pity and mercy and compassion. And isn't that what we need in Northern Ireland? Donald Trump has called for a national day of prayer in America. Do we not need a national day of prayer in Northern Ireland and the United Kingdom? If we're going to see revival, then we've got to have regard that God is holy. And God will revive those that are truly humble and those that are broken, but those that are proud and, and, and those that are, are, are stubborn and hard-hearted, well, they know nothing of this blessing. We have nothing really to fear in a true sense from the holiness of God. The secret is a spirit of brokenness. A penitent mind, a humble spirit at his feet. And if we go to God in that sense of brokenness and humility, I believe God will be pleased to work to restore and revive his people. He not only reassures us with giving answer to prayer, but, but he revives his people. He also reassures his people. Hannah had an adversary that provoked her sore. Was not true, literally, Peniah. Maybe you have an adversary that's provoking you sore in your school, in your university, in your workplace, maybe even in your home, and you feel I'm, I'm under, under constant attack. Well, what can I do? Well, well, you can pray and seek the help of the Lord. 
Don't focus on your circumstances. Focus on him. Because you're no match for the adversary. And of course you can't give back like for like the way your adversary is treating you. Because you're in Christ. And, and you want to respond in a loving, kind, considerate way. And the Lord can give you grace to cope. The Lord can give you special help. We read here in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 9. It says there, he will keep the feet of his saints. Wherever your pathway takes you. He can keep your feet. You can ponder the path of your feet and know that you're under the eye of the Lord. Can I tell you something else? This is true spiritually. You see, the Bible tells us our adversary, the devil, goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We have a spiritual adversary, the devil, who's out to destroy us and bring us down. The, the world, the ungodly world, this anti-Christian world with its anti-God agenda, this world is different from the church. And of course, this world wants to squeeze us into its mold. And then, of course, we've got the inward remaining sin and pull and allure of the uh, sinful nature with which we're born. And is there anyone can help us to overcome? The answer is yes. If we fill our mind with the holiness of God and remember that God is holy, and then we'll have a fear of displeasing him and a fear of dishonoring him. And, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll think about being in the midst of one who is thrice holy. One who will not desert us or destroy us or deny us. One who will make, take steps and measures to preserve and protect his people. It's interesting that Hannah mentions here in her prayer, if you look at it very carefully, it, it, it says here in this prayer in verse 10, and exhort the horn of his anointed. Who, who, who is God's anointed? Well, it's none other than the Lord Jesus. It's none other than a reference to the Messiah. He's the one who comes to aid his people. So Hannah found not only great comfort in the holiness of God, but found great counsel in the holiness of God. Counsel in the fact that he was ready to answer prayer. Counsel that he was able to revive and strengthen her. Counsel he was able to reassure her that he was there to protect and to help. And think of one other thing. God's holiness brought a great challenge to Hannah. You see, when she thinks of the Lord, when she thinks of having a testimony, when she rejoices in God's salvation, thinking to herself, I'm not a child of the devil. What does she think of when she thinks about the Lord? It's God's holiness. Verse 2. There's none holy as the Lord. You see, she doesn't share in the interests of the ungodly. She doesn't go to the places where the ungodly are. She, she doesn't drink of the same foul cup that the ungodly are drinking of. She doesn't do the same thing. She doesn't curse or swear. She doesn't leave God out of her life. She doesn't behave in that way. She's in Christ. She has no part or lot with the ungodly world. She's in fellowship and union with the Lord. And what does she think of as she's in fellowship and union with the Lord? She's reminding herself how holy God is. She tells herself there's none holy as the Lord. And notice the word Lord is in capitals. It's a reference to Jehovah. And she knows that because she's one of the Lord's people, she must be holy too. Do you know that true justification and sanctification go together? A true justification always leads to a true sanctification. You can't have one without the other. So if a man says, I'm in Christ, then I want to see it in his lifestyle. He'll enjoy a positional sanctification. He's in Christ. He's declared to be holy and perfect in Christ. 
And that's the only way you can be holy and perfect in Christ, a positional sanctification. But there's a practical sanctification. You can grow in grace. You can grow in the knowledge of the Lord. You'll have a quest in your heart and life to to pursue holiness of life. You'll hate sin. You'll love sin. You'll learn to die to sin. You'll learn to say no to sin. Isn't that what a Christian does? Says no to sin. You young people learn that. Learn to walk with the Lord. So if someone wants to introduce you to drugs or drink or some other alternative lifestyle and you profess to be a Christian, you, you can look to the Lord for strength to say no. That, that, that's what, 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 what God is able to do. But then there's a perfect sanctification. In the world to come, we'll have new bodies. And in that world, there'll never be another sinful thought. An unholy word come from your mouth. There'll never be a cruel deed by your hand. There'll be no more backsliding. There'll be no more proud boastings. Heaven remembers a holy place. None that the filet shall enter in. If you're not in Christ, you'll be shut out. Heaven's been made holy, I believe, by the blood of Christ. And we're guilty of many sins in this life. Coldness and backslidings, feelings, and, 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 and so on and so forth. But what do we do? We live in light of that day to come when we'll get a new body like unto Christ's glorious body. And in light of that day, we cry to the Lord. In light of that day, we confess our sin. In light of that day, we we plead the blood. In light of that day, we get our eyes in Christ, the perfect Savior. And of course, the Lord allows things to come into our life. He uses his word to sanctify us. He uses his works, especially providence, to uh, sanctify us. He brings trials and troubles, dark times, into our lives. Why? Well, part of the reason is to have a sanctifying effect upon us so that we get our eyes in him, so that we discover that he has an interest in us, so that he knows that we're living in an unholy world that's hard and difficult, but he's able to give us grace. He's able to give us help to walk with him and to walk before him. He's able to give us grace to be different. And remember, one day you're going to stand before him. You'll give an account to him. He's glorious in holiness. He's fearful and praises. He does wonders. You think of that day. Then every one of us shall give an account of himself to the Lord. That's why you need to be found in Christ. See, apart from Christ, you'll be rejected. Apart from Christ, you'll be refused. Apart from Christ, he'll say, depart from me, you cursed, you work of iniquity, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And it's good to come to church. It's good to read the Bible. It's good to be religious. It's good to to realize there's a difference between the ungodly world and the, the Christian. But the most important thing is that you're found in Christ. God's holiness brought a great challenge to Hannah. Hannah was a saved woman who tried her best in her difficult circumstances to walk with the Lord. And I'm saying this morning, you can do the same. The Lord bless you. Thanks for listening. I appreciate you coming.